Hello, and welcome to Carrie Ann's Literature Corner. I'm your host, Carrie Ann Dillon, and today I'd like to talk about the fascinating way Edgar Allan Poe uses narration to incorporate his audience into his stories. We'll be focusing on The Telltale Heart, which is one of Poe's most well-known short stories. As a quick recap of the story, The Telltale Heart is about a man who decides, for no real reason beyond being creeped out by a supposedly vulture-like eye, to murder his neighbor. If murder weren't enough, he hides the dismembered body under the floorboards. The trauma of this story isn't so much the murder itself, it's that while the narrator is being questioned by the police, he feels like he can still hear the thump of the buried man's heart, which had plagued him earlier as well. So his paranoia escalates and ends up cracking under the pressure, and a surface read of the story usually leaves readers nodding pretty much agreeably that he's crazy. We have a crazy narrator. But focusing only on that can lead readers to miss some of the other underlayers that an untrustworthy narrator can add to a story. So I had been thinking about Poe and the Telltale Heart, And I came across an article by Paul Witherington called The Accomplice in the Telltale Heart. And I was instantly curious, so today's episode is going to focus on the major points of Witherington's essay. You may well be wondering, what accomplice? We know already that the narrator himself is the murderer. He tells us as much in detail, so who else is there? As it turns out, it's us. We, the readers, according to Witherington, are inescapably complicit. From the beginning, the first person, I, narrator, is addressing the reader, you, directly. Withington argues that this simple construction makes the madness immediately and abundantly clear to the reader. And he further claims that the narrator isn't just mad. He's not just crazy. He's also cunning, and deliberately so. He's so cunning, in fact, that the apparent madness is no more than a distraction from the narrator's attempts to make us, the reader, accomplices. This leads to Witherington's final point that the trap set by the narrator has a layer beyond guilt for being a silent participant in a murder. So Poe is a dark romantic author who is famous for his disturbing, yet excellently crafted poems and short stories. And madness, violence, revenge, despair, spite, and deception... Um, Those are all common within Poe's works, and given those assumptions and expectations about Poe's work as a foundation, Witherington says that the story's plainness and simplicity seem the means by which the narrator's madness is rendered transparent. And what he really means is that the clarity of the narrator's story and the simple way in which it's told... Um, you know, it's undiluted by extra description or extra context. The narrator is very matter of fact and seemingly logical in his explanation of why he murdered the old man and his protestations of innocence to the police, though his guilt is known by us, obviously, engage the reader who hears the confession at the very end. So as many Poe scholars would agree, Witherington acknowledges that the way the narrator emphasizes his own logical thought process, the emphasis on murder as a rational process, only underscores the barbarity of the act itself. In the very opening lines of the story, 
the narrator entreats, quote, True, nervous, very, very dreadfully nervous I had been, and am. But why will you say that I am mad? The disease had sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all was the sense of hearing, acute. I heard all things in the heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. How, then, am I mad? This degree of signposting should be an immediate indicator to a reader that there are other machinations at play. Something else is going on here. Many of Poe's narrators are, to some degree, off their rocker. And here, the fact that that madness is acknowledged and labeled as an asset that sharpened his senses should make readers immediately distrustful. Witherington suggests that all of this focus on the madness, though, is a distraction from the trap he lays for us. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the narrator's blasé attitudes towards madness and the impact this has on us as readers. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Gimme and Swift Shirts. Welcome back to Carrie Ann's Literature Corner. So far, we've summarized Poe's The Telltale Heart, and we began our discussion with the idea that the narrator, in some way, makes the reader an accomplice to the murder and dismemberment of the old man next door. We're now ready to explore the function of madness as a possible misdirection. Now, you may be thinking, Carrie Ann, this is all well and good, but if he's telling us about it after the murder and after his confession to the police, then how can we be accomplices? It's not like he tricked us into killing anybody. Well, Witherington's position is that the narrator seduces the listener by getting them to participate vicariously in the crime, an accomplice after the fact. He suggests that the language shift in the third paragraph from things like you should have seen to phrases like so you see uh, definitely coaxes the reader's subconscious into aligning itself with the narrator. The you, the direct address, becomes slightly more gloating. The have I not told you and do you mark me well, feeling rather patronizing, but unmistakably treating the reader as deeply invested. And Witherington suggests that uh, by these nudges, the listener is transformed into an active voyeur. And all of the examples he uses in his essay culminate in the statement that Poe's narrator needs a continuing listener, somewhat less than a character, but somewhat more than a device, to prove his point that if anyone can be seduced by narrative, then it becomes difficult to separate those who take pleasure in committing and confessing crime from those who take pleasure in hearing about it. Now, Poe is certainly not the first author to use the motif of the listener as an accomplice. Uh, late 18th century and early 19th century Gothic literature loved to use villainous confessions to blast the innocent listener out of composure and security, as Witherington puts it. So the final piece of Witherington's argument centers around the narrator's final confession, the one to the police. And this final part comes in two sections. The first, you remember how just a few minutes ago I mentioned that the you direct address was becoming more patronizing towards the middle of the story? 
What I didn't mention then was that after the 12th paragraph, the direct address vanishes until the very end. And the effect of this encourages the listener to become more actively involved in the ending and thus identify with the police officers who listened to the murderer's original confession. And this alignment of the reader with the police officers allows the reader to, quote, shuck off guilt by identifying with the accusers rather than the accused. The narrator allows this as he prepares to spring his final trap. So the final part of the twist ending, which is one of the things that distinguishes this story, the craft of Poe's work from Gothic novels. So the final part is the narrator's accusatory cry of villains at the very end. And Witherington views this final direct address as a loaded indictment of the listener. He says that this accusation makes the reader feel as though he's a villain for wanting to listen to the recreation of a tale of horror. And he's a naive hypocrite for imagining that he can do so with impunity. So by moving beyond this red herring of madness, Witherington believes that the reader can realize these other subtle machinations of the narrator. And I'm inclined to agree that identifying the cunning and duplicity of the narrator beyond his disturbed mental state allows us to take a look at some of the other layers of the narrator's psyche. And really, the cool part is that it asks us to evaluate our own degree of responsibility as silent accomplices to murder in the telltale heart. We're enjoying the story, and we really are a little bit wrapped up in it. The suspense is beautifully done. The direct address is powerful in several ways, as we've discussed. And I really agree with Witherington that looking past, oh yeah, the surface read, the narrator's crazy, we all know that, you know, what else is there? Going beyond that can add a few dimensions to the story, and that has potential connections to some of Poe's other works as well. And I think if you have any other of Poe's works that you like, let me know if you're seeing any of these same tricks in those stories too. So let me know what you think. Send me a comment or an email. Share this episode with friends and let them weigh in too. That's it for today's Literature Corner Conversation. I'm Carrie Ann Dillon, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. See you next time.